Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Grand Blitz right here on TuneIn, Googlecast, Player FM, Apple Podcasts, on iHeartRadio, as well as on Spotify, and as always on Block Talk Radio. I want to thank everybody for sharing and subscribing to our podcast, especially on the three biggest platforms, which is Spotify, iHeart, and Apple. Really, really appreciate it. Getting a lot more traction, a lot more reach. Uh, everybody's being aware of women's uh, American football, not just in the States, but globally. And I want to give a shout-out to everybody that's gone to our Facebook page at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. We are over right now, almost close to 7,900, shooting for 10K, as well as on Instagram as well. We just got over 6,000, so really, really appreciate that. And go check it out on Instagram. Uh, Alicia uh, Rapunzel of the former National Knights, just awesome at the gallery, so check her out. And then if you go to Twitter, we're almost at 6,900 on Twitter, approaching 7,000. Really, really appreciate that, everybody going there and bringing awareness to women's American football. We were going to have the legendary quarterback, and um, K.K. Matheny, but unfortunately um, she was uh, not able to make it today. So we are going to reschedule her. So I do apologize for everybody uh, doing our promos, just last-minute things that happen here. Uh, so we are going to have a rescheduled K.K. Matheny. We will have the salty one in the house today. We're going to be talking NFL uh, you know, trades in terms of who benefit, like, uh, for example, the Buccaneers benefiting from getting Tom Brady. So we're going to more detail in terms of some of the trades that happen, not necessarily uh, you know, in terms of moves, but trades and maybe some draft picks that are going to be key people within the top 10 teams in the uh, NFL as we come in 2020. Uh, season and we'll hopefully we'll have a 2020 season but it looks like we will even if it's just empty stadiums from what we're told now at this point we won't know until obviously september gets here but overall that's where we're at and then we have some sad news to report unfortunately this week uh the uh wfa the women's football alliance and the arlington uh, impact family uh really devastated um bethany uh lartigue passes away uh in a uh pool trying to save a, a young child. Uh, you get the details at the hub at facebook.com for slash Beauties. We also encourage everybody to go to the page, and on the page you have the link there for the GoFundMe. Uh, the original goal for the GoFundMe was $5,000. They're at $5,400 right now. So really shout, great shout-out to everybody that contributed to the goal of the GoFundMe. You can still go there and help out with uh, as much money as they can, unfortunately. This is a situation where, you know, the more money they have, the better. And then uh, given the situation with COVID-19 and things that are happening. So, you know, we want to just uh, give out, uh, uh, you know, condolences to the WFA and to the Arlington Impact for the loss of Bethany Lartigue, very talented athlete and player. And uh, she will be missed greatly, especially on the Impact. Very uh, an explosive team last year. They made a real, real dent into the playoffs. Very an exciting tier of the WFA. And uh, shout-out to the family there and condolences to her family and to the team on the loss, obviously, of a talented player, uh, Bethany Lartigue. All right, um, so 
given those two things out of the way, unfortunately, one uh, we can reschedule. The other one, unfortunately, is is something that God will take care of, and her family hopefully will be blessed and will you know get through the pain, of course, of a loved one. Uh, so we are going to um, talk to the salty one about the NFL. And then later we're going to have uh, Nate Ward coming in here, and we're going to dive into the Omaha Red Devils rosters as well as we're going to talk to the talk about the Los Angeles Black Storm, a revamp Los Angeles Black Storm uh, with new quarterback and the uh, football sisters at the head of the franchise, and we'll see what kind of impact they make there for 2020. So we'll dive into the rosters on both teams at about 40 after and as soon as Nate Ward gets here. So big show today as well. If you guys haven't gone to the Hub, Go to the Hub, everything that's happening there. It is the best resource and the best network on the planet because we have a lot of people uh, every week. They're sending us stories, uh, articles, uh, videos, everything that's happening in the women's game. Everybody's passionate about you know, bringing attention to the sport, and we are more than happy to do that. And if you come to the Hub at this point, uh, you know, share your post, share our post, uh, comment, and at the same time spread the word. Uh, we are like we're shooting for 10 grand, uh, 10k because that's where we really need to be on Facebook to make more penetration and more effort. But so far, I really, really appreciate everybody going there and uh, sharing, commenting, and doing their part. Uh, and it's just been an amazing ride so far, and we have reached a lot of uh, traction in the last uh, three weeks. We have gotten to a point where we're almost at and at almost to 600 new followers on uh, Facebook, and we are currently right now, I believe, at um, 8,200 followers. We're at 7,900 likes, but 8,200 followers. So hats off to everybody that's helping us out and bringing attention to the sport and giving us that uh, traction that it needs to bring attention to it. Uh, we got a, a lot of stuff to go into at this point. WFLA News, if you haven't got to the uh, page, at WFLA underscore football. And so you can get the details there as well. A lot of, a lot of WFA, WNFC, a lot of X-League or former LFL players on the rosters for the upcoming seasons for those teams. And some of those teams are, you know, Whitney Palmer moves from the Nashville Knights, which was a very impactful player. It's going to be on the San Diego Tritons. Um, she's very, very athletic, very determined. And uh, so she's going to be a really big asset to them. Uh, you also have Dominique uh, Purifoy uh, moving over there. Vanessa Del Mello was one of the other uh, persons that was signed. Plus, Brasilia uh, pilot, um, Miriam Viviera, and she's going to be coming over from Brazil. A lot of the Brazilian players, Gabriela Evangelista and, uh, Mir- and uh, Miriam here, are, they basically did virtual combines for the WFLA because they couldn't make the trip in here, to obviously, because, because of COVID-19. But these two, these two talented players, plus a couple handful of players, are, are going to be participating in the WFLA 2021 season, and they're coming directly from uh, the league in Brazil. And so the Brazilian uh, uh, Brasilia pilots have been a kind of staple franchise for a long time in, in Brazilian women's gridiron. So it's very exciting that we're coming, that's coming to the States it's just like the excitement that everybody's anticipating for the nine players from the, uh, the Guam Women's Tackle Football League to go on the L.A. Fames. So we have two Brazilian players are going to be right now um, onto the San Diego Tritons 
and it's going to be very exciting to see all those kind of players kind of gel internationally. The WFLA is really stepping up their game in terms of the interest by players, not just in the States, but domestically. And I think that's one of the things that really makes it stand out, not just the promise of pay at this point. Uh, we are going to have the commissioner, Brandon Shelby, here uh, in the next week's podcast. So that's something you guys to look forward to. We're going to be talking everything to do with the WFLA. He's going to give us insights about the vision for 2021, the amount of teams that are going to be feasibly to kick off, there's going to be a, obviously a weekend to be kicked off in May. Uh, the launch of the two teams for the inaugural season, which is the Fames against the Diamonds on Cinco de Mayo in Los Angeles in 2021. So I'm really anticipated and excited for it. Really appreciate uh, Brandon Shelby making the time for us next week so we can sit down and really give our audience uh, all the questions that they've had. We have a lot of players really dive into the WFLA, and then we have other players from the WFA, WNFC, and other leagues, international as well as in the States, uh, still, you know, on the fence, per se. Um, and so we were going to talk to, you know, Commissioner Shelby in terms of, you know, where he sees the state of the game. And this is a brand-new venture for them as well. If they're the forerunners, uh, frontrunners, in other words, for the elevation of women's tackle football to a pay state, okay, that's going to mean a lot for them. But also, as we've always talked to, about feeder system in women's tackle football, we don't have that. Um, we have, you know, a start in some places with flag football, but not a formal flag football. Now we got varsity college uh, flag football that's going to be introduced in the NAIA um, starting in 2020, and then obviously a, a champion, formal championship in 2021. We'll see what COVID-19 does to all this, but it's great news that we have some sort of a, a outlet like on the flag scene in terms of the university and the college scene. At some point, our hope is that we get women's tackle football on a collegiate NCAA level, maybe on a regional mentality. So we don't know when all these things are going to transpire and kind of shift into place, but we do know, and what we're being told right now, is the uh, WFLA is ready to launch in 2021. They are paying players. The uh, CEO, Lupe Rose, plus the commissioner, Brandon Shelby, are uh, committed and determined to launch uh, in 2021 and really uh, make an impact in terms of the athletes playing on the field, great product, plus they get compensated. So a lot of players are really onto that. They really believe that once they launch, they get this down, and everything gets right. Not They're not only going to get compensated, but they really believe the league's going to take off and really become one of the staples and premier leagues in women's uh, tackle football. It has never been done before. It is something that has never been done in women's tackle football in terms of a pay pay-to-play model. We've had... Uh, I mean, uh, you know, uh, the, the, where they get paid to play. We've had, a, uh, you know, they, players have to pay to play. I might say correct myself here, but we've never had it to where they receive a paycheck, just like, uh, you know, major uh, arena football league players or, or NFL players. We won't know what the contracts are about in terms of the structure and the amount. Um, I'm assuming it's going to be similar to, like, NBA to WNBA, where they're not going to make, you know, a big amount of money. But it is a starting point, and hopefully the interest is there and sponsorship comes. So we're going to dive into all that next week as we get WFLA Commissioner uh, Brandon Shelby here to kind of dissect and give us the, the overall scope of the WFLA, the vision of the WFLA, and the, uh, you know, the whole process in terms of how they're going to maintain. I'm assuming you know, the WNFC, WF, WFA are going to be part of the key components there maybe a working relationship with those two other leagues as well 
Uh, that creates the NCAA mentality that the NFL has right now, that the CFL has. So we're you know, hopeful that that's going to be in place still because that's an outlet where players can grow their game, better themselves, play at high-level football, and then at some point annually they get drafted to the professional league that is paying players. So that is the hope and wishes of everybody that's been participating in women's tackle football for over close to 40-something years now. Uh, speaking of that, if you go to the hub, uh, there's a couple, two pieces there uh, that were supplied to us from that we shared from the Portland Shockwave as well from other articles and some of the pioneers uh, of women's uh, gridiron in the states. And if you didn't know it, you know women's been playing. Women uh, have been playing tackle football for a very long time, even in the late late 1900s, uh, more prominently in the 1950s, uh, into the 1970s, uh, a lot more visible into the 1990s. Uh, there have been a lot of pioneers and full, that have played in high school with the boys that have made impact in high schools, you know, Sammy Grassoffi, for to name uh, a person. But there's a lot of stories out there as we've gotten into a situation where we've, we're growing up to now, and there's a lot of pioneers that are, are being credited for making ends roads in the sport and bringing it to, to everybody's attention. It is a labor of love uh, and a lot of factors for, for a lot of people and sacrifices uh, ultimately, and that's where we got to the state where we're at now. So a lot of uh, players, as I'm mentioning here, are really, really anticipating that the WFLA will be very successful because this is what it means to jump to another level. So we've been elevated to a different level every year. Uh, I've been covering the sport since 2009, and every year from 2009 to now, uh, every league has made some sort of increment uh, betterment for the players. We're getting to a state now where uh, if we get to that next stage, which is the pay the player to play, then it's going to be huge professional level. And obviously it's a wage earning and supplemental. And it just, it's a big deal because it is a formal league that will supplement a player to play. And that's a dream that everybody's been having. I mean, everybody wants to play a sport and then get paid for it, especially if you're at a high level athlete. It's a really interesting part of that. You can go to uh, the hub as well. And there was an interesting uh, interview with the LaFay Vajio athletes from uh, LaFay from Mexico. Uh, a lot of the players played on the international, uh, some of the international original teams, and also played on the national tournament team uh, tournaments that were in Mexico, part of the uh, Mexican Federation. It's a really good article on about uh, I think six six players, almost six players that were participating in the uh, LaFay Vajio. So you can check out the interview there at the hub. And also we can't forget uh, broadcasting great Phyllis George. Uh, also passed away at 70. Uh, Phyllis George was uh, very instrumental into breaking barriers into the National Football League as in terms of a female broadcaster. Uh, she played a big role at CVS Sports. And if you're you know, in my age, you grew up with her uh, in terms of the uh, introductory shows, the preview shows, um, kind of like the Chris Berman type mentality. And so she was really uh, instrumental in bringing attention to it. A, lo- a lot of opportunities came for a lot of females in terms of broadcasting because of Phyllis George. And so today, you know, it's kind of normal to have a female sideline reporter, a female broadcaster, or somebody that's, you know, NFL Network, for example, a lot of visibility in that regard. So there's a lot of more females now in the broadcasting realm, especially in reporting or uh, in terms of digital media or social media. Uh, and that obviously is a credit to Phyllis George. Uh, so uh, condolences out to the George family out there for an amazing woman. 
she do, she did a great job being a pioneer and bringing forward the opportunities for others uh, in the field and to do her part that way as well. There's one article in there from uh, Callie Brunson and the Browns done by Cleveland.com. It's going to be interesting to, to see how uh, Coach Stefanski and uh, Callie Branson kind of mold the, the Cleveland Browns Mayfield and company in terms of the, what they're going to be able to do in 2020, uh, 2020 and see how the Cleveland Browns will change that. I know Kelly's a winner. She's always been a winner. She's, uh, you know, she, at every level she's gone to, she's been able, be able, been able to make a difference. And so no different than uh, Jennifer King in Washington or Coach uh, Lori Locust in Tampa, Florida. So we're going to see maybe a change in Cleveland in terms of, you know, how things are administered on the back end, of, not necessarily on the field but maybe in terms of how can bring something to the fire there and transform the Browns maybe to a successful playoff, you know, just get that first kick into the door and maybe get into a playoff mode. Cleveland really deserves it. It's been a long time for Cleveland sports in terms of football to be even relevant in terms of a conversation on a fall type mentality, a pre-Super Bowl and pre-wild card type mentality. So hopefully that's, you know, that's, that's going to happen. At this point, we also have another article in there. If you haven't gone to the hub at facebook.com forward slash square and beers, we have an article there uh, by uh, American Magazine, and that uh, has to do with our No Joke Football Athlete, Phoebe Sketcher. It's uh, detailing her journey into the NFL from BAFA and ultimately in you know coaching with the Bills. And so it's a pretty good article that you can read it as well. Uh, the 2013 WFA National Championship, uh, is at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Grand Beauties. Chicago Force, what an amazing game. If you haven't watched it, I encourage you to go watch it. Uh, it's uh, two, 2013 WFA National Championship. If you are bored at home during COVID and you got nothing else to do, your Netflix is done, thing is done, I encourage you guys to go to YouTube, search uh, YouTube Gridiron Beauties. We have uh, over a lot of content for over 10 years or and it's going to be shared, shared videos and content from everybody around the globe from, you know, internationally. So you get to watch a lot of games, including uh, LFL games as well as WFA, IWFL from the previous. Uh, so there's a lot of content there. So if you're bored, go subscribe to our uh, YouTube channel at Great Iron Beauties on YouTube. And you can also get, um, you know, enlightened about what other sports are playing. You also have Australia, uh, you know, Key from Australia, Guam. So there's a lot of stuff that's going on there. So check it out at Gridiron Beauties on YouTube, uh, and you can go to the hub directly there. Um, it's going to be May 20th, the premiere of Ultimate Tag on Fox TV, and our No Joke Football athlete Kelsey Cristiano is going to be on the on the in the game, as well as uh, Jasmine Khalid of the Chicago Bliss, former Chicago Bliss, and so uh, now uh, Colleen, uh, Jasmine is basically WFLA as well. Uh, so Kelsey Cristiano. Uh, and basically uh, Jasmine Khalid going to be on the ultimate tag on Fox. So it's a pretty exciting game. If you haven't checked it out, um, it's a J.J. Watts version of a game show type mentality, but it's very intense. Uh, it's kind of like uh, American, kind of an American game where it's just fun to watch. So if you haven't watched it, check out the previews on our Twitter feed as well as on our Facebook. And uh, it'll be Kelsey Cristiano. Looking forward to see how she does on the first First night out there, and then on, I believe, in June as well, you're going to have Khalif, uh, Jasmine Khalif, who's going to go ta- go ahead and um, take care of um, take care of the uh, ultimate tag on there as well. 
So we'll 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 see uh, how they do in terms of their um, their game show and how they do in the game itself. We'll check it out. Hopefully she can do well, and then uh, we'll check it out. We'll see what Jasmine does as well. So it's going to be really, really awesome at this point. Um, if you haven't checked out the Y, the Y is the WNFC live show, and it's on, on uh, IG. So the Y is the uh, WNFC's version of just getting to know players, uh, the history for the players in terms of how they got to play the game, where they came from, and what's the, uh, you know, what is the purpose for them to play in the sport. Um, you also have WFLA live every day. It's more of a one-on-one interaction with players about what the WFLA is going to do for them, what they hope the WFLA will do for them, how their journey started in football. So between the two leagues, one league, WNFC, proven, one year in, WFLA still unproven. Uh, both leagues trying to stand out. Kind of reminds me of the WWE versus WCW days, if you guys are familiar with uh, wrestling. Um, so it's kind of a battle here. Um, the WNFC obviously does not promise to pay the players yet because that's their end. Their end game is to pay the players. Their you know their goal is to get to that level within a, maybe a, a couple years. The WFLA has promised to pay the players at, at the initial launch. Two different models, two different CEOs, you know, two different perspectives. Uh, so, but all the way good for both for the sport in general. Whoever gets there first, as they say, is all that matters at this point. Uh, compensation for the players has been our ultimate conversation here, so that's where we need to be at. And uh, hopefully one or the other will jumpstart that, and then going forward it becomes a normal, and that's where we really really look, look into. Uh, we also have a um, Move the Ball podcast. Had an interview with Odessa Jenkins, and you can get the link there at the hub at facebook.com. And she's talking about you know the WNFC, the potential, uh, the ventures, and how to get started with startups. Uh, so you check it out with Jennifer Garrett there at movetheball.com, movetheballpodcast.com. So, so go check it out. Uh, really excited that Brianne Ward is coming to uh, the WFLA, I believe Denver Rush. Um, so there's a story piece there done on Brianne Ward uh, and also Hannah and McGowan. And they're both very talented from the uh, Winnipeg Wolfpack of the WWCFL. So that's going to be really good uh, good chances for everybody to come forward. We have people from Australia. We've got people from Brazil. Uh, everybody's migrating into the WFLA. So getting a chance to talk to the commissioner, Brandon Shelby, next week is going to be really exciting to, for us to dive into his brain and figure out, you know, what his vision is, uh, what is Lupe's, you know, uh, vision, what is the ownership's vision, all the pieces that have to come together uh, to launch a uh, full-fledged league with a positive, a positive state and hopefully a positive result. Um, we do know what the XFL did, you know, really good for five weeks, and then it collapsed. Um, we're just crossing our fingers that this is not where we want to be in terms of women's uh, tackle football because this is not even a proven product yet. In terms of visibility on television, in terms of out ratings, where men's football is a proven product. In other words, men's football is what it is. You, you pitch up that with XFL, you know, any other league, the big broadcasters want to fill airtime. They're going to get that. They're going to do it. Uh, women's tackle football, not so much because there's not interest there. It's brand new, and it's a gamble, in other words. While they take a gamble on a men's league uh, with 
you know, a lot of pull, like for example, Vince McMahon, if you, if you had Vince McMahon uh, put money into the WNFC, for example, uh, for at least a two year period, if he turned around and just, you know, put money in the WNFC, I'm pretty sure the WNFC would be huge based on Vince money. So I, I don't even know if anybody's had the conversation with Vince McMahon about that. Maybe Odessa should have that conversation with Vince McMahon and, and maybe make a phone call and see if he's willing to do that. Unfortunately, because of COVID-19 and his loss with the XFL, uh, maybe not the right timing at this point, but who never, you know, you never know. So Brian Ward from WWCFL, check out the, uh, the podcast uh, on uh, movetheballpodcast.com of Odessa Jenkins, the CEO of the WNFC as well. So there's a story there uh, from uh, Brianne Ward from the ManitobaFoot.net. Uh, we talked about uh, Gabriela Evangelista from Brazil. She was actually uh, interviewed on ESPN Brazil. So ESPN Brazil interviewed uh, Gabriela Evangelista of the San Diego Tritons. Uh, and you can get the, the actual interview there. Uh, big, big thank you to everybody for liking uh, the the actual uh, photo display out there of Alicia uh, Rapunzel, uh, Rapunzel Fit, and uh, Alicia's awesome, and she's uh, on our gallery uh, at Instagram, so you can check her out there as well. And there's two key articles, if you haven't read them. We're at a state of complex uh, situation here. Because of COVID-19, we were anticipating a 2020 uh, season prior to COVID-19. We didn't get that, and so what happens here is where do we go from here in terms of the women's game? We were so excited for 2020. We were totally steamed up and ready and hyped and ready to go for the 2020 season on both sides, the WNFC. We were hyped for the WFA. We were anticipating even some exhibition games for the w, uh, WFLA, and unfortunately it just didn't happen. So there's two key articles, one by the Huffington Post, State of the Industry and Women's Sports. So what do we do after COVID? So we get into January 2021, three, three months into the next season. Where are we at in terms of interest by sponsors, interest by all? The economies around the world have been devastated by this virus, okay? The traditional money goes to men's sports. There's no question there. Men's sports is where the traditional money goes. Are companies going to be willing to put money out there in a recession state on women's tackle football or is women's sports going to have to continue to fight for attention it's really what the articles are all about and then the guardian as well women's exposure after COVID-19 what is it going to take um, to get women's sports into a limelight state in terms of anything anywhere it doesn't just mean the United States but we're talking about UK we're talking about Europe we're talking about Australia, any, in any continent, what is it going to take for somebody to really uh, accept and embrace to put women's gridiron on the map in terms of a regional state, either television or whatever? We're having, we're having good success. Don't, don't, don't get us wrong here. We're having great success. We were on a really good high prior to, you know, uh, COVID-19. And we had a great, great anticipation for the, for the teams we also had great anticipation for the leagues to come up, but we, we just didn't happen. So now the question really is, are we going to get back to that high that we just missed out on? Or is it going to be a situation where we're, we're going to have to try a little harder or more, get more creative? Is the WFLA launch uh, with the pay-to-play mentality, I mean, uh, 
you know, players, uh, players get paid, in other words, but the, but the players get compensated, is it going to be successful in 2021? And is it something that, you know, we need to discuss about it? Because the other model is still the same, but is it going to be harder to put out there? The, the content is there. The penetration has been there. The WNFC has already penetrated on social media. WNFC has done a lot of stuff in terms of uh, interactive and attention. The WNFC has got Adidas and Riddell uh, on, on board. Um, my understanding from the WFLA, which we'll ask our, our commissioner, Brandon Shelby, next week, is, you know, where are they getting the funding to sustain wages, to sustain, in, uh, you know, compensation for contracts? Uh, we're going to, you know, have to dive in. And then how is that going to look in 2021 uh, on the onset, is it an eight-week season? Uh, is it just going to be an exhibition season in 2021 just to f- see how financially they're going to be able to make it happen, or is it going to be just a full-blown season? So really, really questions there. The WFA has really also stepped up their game in terms of sponsorships and getting things done. We've talked to Wynn Fado-Donomy about you know, where the w- WFA is going, where the owners are thinking of going. So both, both the pay-to-play leagues, have done really good things up to this point, and they've gotten some great sponsors. So, um, you know, the question with the article is women's women's exposure after COVID-19. What's going to happen then? And that's really what it boils down to. And so hopefully, you know, we get a positive state in terms of how we're going to make it happen and what's going to happen there. Um, the other, you know, today's just kind of been one of those sad days mentality. I, you know, I, bad news. We started off with uh, – you know, KK can't, uh, wasn't able to make it today, which we're really excited to talk to her. Uh, we also, you know, had the bad news of uh, Bethany Lartigue passing away from the Arlington Impact. Um, the other thing we, you know, we're not having really good luck with is the Transatlantic Trophy Tournament that was supposed to happen September of this year with uh, a lot of teams from Finland and Mexico. And because of COVID-19, uh, obviously, that's going to change. And the announcement was made by the Women's Great Iron Foundation that the Transatlantic Trophy 2 will be moved to September of 2021. And then um, the WFA announces the Sin City Trojans precisely have announced that um, they're going to have a game scrimmage with the West Texas Hawks on June 6, 2020 in Las Vegas. And that's going to be uh, a, a good scrimmage matchup. I don't know if other teams are going to have just scrimmage matches because of the fact that certain states are being opened up and certain states are allowing um, to get back out there onto the fields uh, with some sort of requirements and social distancing. So that's one of the one of the states I think Nevada. So there's an opportunity, for, you know, a nice a tune-up and scrimmage. So at this point, there's no formal WFA season to my knowledge. At this point, I could be wrong, but it, there's none. So I'm assuming teams are going to try to, like, you know, set up things to just to practice and, and just get some sort of football just for, you know, fun at this point. Um, the WFA also is on For the Fans and 11 Sports Weekly. So weekly action from uh, previous games in 2019 and obviously 2018 and even in the past. So For the Fans and 11 Sports, Thursdays, Fridays, and some Saturdays, you're going to get that, the Women's Football Alliance, on for the fans and 11 sports. We talked to a win, Claude Adonami, about the uh, hookup. Uh, there was a big anticipation uh, coming into 2020 where they were going to do a weekly game, uh, even if it was delayed. It was a weekly game uh, for the season. 
That was going to be really exciting, sort of like the uh, Legends Football League uh, on YouTube, as an example, trying to do a game where it's, you know, maybe tape delayed and adjusted and then replayed for the next week. So that was one of the things that could do it. Um, They were also anticipating doing live games, fans, and 11 sports in general. So um, at this point, it didn't didn't work out. So uh, just work, you know, we'll we'll have to wait and see. But you can take advantage of some uh, women's tackle football, like I said, on our YouTube channel at Great Iron Beauties on YouTube, and also uh, weekly, Thursday, Friday, and some Saturdays uh, at the WFA. You can uh, go up on Facebook, Women's Football Alliance, and you get the link there, or you can go to the hub at facebook.com for slash Great Iron Beauties. You get the action for the fans and 11 sports. All right. Uh, the other thing that was on there was Anna Garza was on uh, uh, League of the uh, Football Bikini Cancun, and she was interviewed there as well. We, uh, she also has an interview tonight. Uh, Anna Garza will be interviewed live tonight at Liga Football del Pacifico. The Mazatlan Redskins will have the interview there. And once it's up and running, we will share it for you and you get the, get the details there as well. And then C.J. Dunning was the newest uh, superstar, superstar series by the X-League, C.J. Dunning, Dunning of the Denver Rush. She'll be the new uh, superstar. And you can get check out uh, on our IG, uh, IG Bubbles. On our IG Bubbles, you can check out everything that's happening in the sport, including tributes to pioneers, superstars, as well as specials and stuff on our No Joke Football brand as well. Talking about No Joke Football brand, really, really thank everybody this week. I really appreciate everybody going to the shop. It was 40% off on tanks, tees, and hoodies. And you guys are awesome. Uh, this week we did almost uh, close to $1,000 on sales. That means we're going to be able to kind of like shine, put a shine on other athletes in terms of the sport and then keep promoting those that obviously are amazing athletes for us, uh, like Les, uh, Lexi Damio, Ellie Mazzola, uh, to name a few, uh, Christy Moran as well, um, you know, Debs Rodriguez, Alicia, Alicia Petsky, uh, Stacey Jackman. So there's a, a lot of over 20 Nojo football athletes. So the way our program works is every sale that comes into our shop gets recycled in terms of another spotlight, another talented athlete or an existing Nojo football athlete to bring attention to women's American football on social media. And that's what our hashtag is, no joke football on IG, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and all the other social media platforms. So we've been doing that since uh, 2000. 2011 and so far we've been able to literally recycle almost uh, $10,000 or more almost $10,000 so we've been doing a good job at that in terms of what we're able to do so if you didn't take advantage of our sales at the no joke football shop at uh, dazzle.com for size square and beauties it was 40% off on tees tanks and if you subscribe to dazzle black it's $9.99 for the year in the states so you get free shipping for 12 months and if you come in often, come back often. Even if you don't buy from us, you can get great stuff like Disney, Marvel, and other great brands at Zazzle.com. Zazzle has been our sponsor for a long, long time, almost eight years. They've been supporting women's um, uh, gridiron. So they are able to make this podcast possible. Without them, we would not be on the air promoting women's uh, to American football. So we really, really appreciate them. And go, if, when you go to the shop, you can tell your friends about it. And they can get stuff out there like the Not a Boy shirt, the Yes, I'm a Girl, I Play Football shirt, uh, Gridiron Woman shirt, uh, some of the popular shirts that we have on there. So go check it out at the Hub 
and got the link there at the Shop Now tab, or you can go directly to Zazzle.com for slash Gridiron Beauties. All right. Um, if you haven't picked up uh, Coach Gabby's uh, women's uh, women's uh, workout football workouts, uh, women's football workouts um, at IG. If you haven't checked uh, checked it out yet, go check it out there. Coach Gabby gave um, Farrell, and then obviously uh, Corinne uh, De Jesus uh, of the New York Sharks. She has an ebook. Uh, you can get the link there. An ebook in the post. It's uh, it would be take you to the female athlete's guide uh, to training and achieving. Uh, true potential. So uh, over 100 downloads on the actual uh, guide from what I'm told by Gabby. So it's really amazing. So really thank everybody that went there and got their copy. It's a free copy. So all you got to do is go to the link, get your copy, ebook that was provided by Coach Farrell. Um, and um, so you can just go ahead and download it. Pretty easy to do. You can follow them on IG at Women's uh, wor- uh, Football Workouts on IG, or you can go to our page at great iron beauties on ig you can check out the bubble there for promotions uh and invites and you'll be able to look it up and then get the link there on ig as well all right uh wfla news uh october 17th 18th and 19th so if you're interested in being a part of the wfl wfla 2021 launch so it would be the las vegas uh combine and uh july and then you would get the actual october 17th 18th and 19th WFLA Super Weekend, and so it's going to be 17th, 18th, and 19th. On the 19th, it will be the WFLA Draft. So the draft will be uh, on that date, and you have a whole weekend, Super Weekend, basically, for the WFLA. So it's going to be really exciting. Everybody's anticipating being there. A lot of uh, new draft new drafts, uh, players from last year are coming, as well as the players obviously going to be on the current state for the next season as well. So I'm looking. Everybody's looking forward to just being there. Um, I'm going to see if I can try to make it there. I'm looking forward to it um, at this point to see if I can go there and kind of check out what what it's all about because it seems like it's going to be a pretty exciting weekend. Um, so we'll see if we can kind of make an effort to get there and and, and go forward with that at that point. So uh, we should be having uh, Mackenzie Brooks coming in here in a little bit. We have uh, Nate Ward coming in as well. So we'll see. Um, you know, when they come in here, we're going to be talking about the NFL. At this point, we're going to be talking about, uh, you know, the uh, the stuff that's happening in X League as well. So we'll see how everybody shows up here in a little bit. Um, I know if you guys haven't uh, dived into us uh, lately, we've had uh, pretty much a lot of good guests here. We had uh, Chill Tapia last last weekend and the week before. So you can go back up to uh, the podcast 303, all the way back down to 321, and you can get really great content. And don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple, iHeart, and Spotify, three of the major platforms that we can make a really good penetration and awareness for women's American football. So we, we've made a lot of laboring, a lot of time. We've committed a lot of hours. And so all we ask of you guys is share with your friends, subscribe, have them be here weekly, and uh, you know just get us more awareness for women's tackle football. And that's what we want. We want women's American football to stand out. So let's go into – See who we got on here. Is it Nate? Is that you? What's up, Oscar? What's going on, Nate? Uh, welcome, buddy. I'm uh, just talking about you know all the stuff that's happening in the women's game right now, and we're going to be just diving in. And Mackenzie should be here in a couple minutes here as well. Um, Nate, let's just let's dive into X League since I got you in here. So that before we talk NFL, mm-hmm. um, we were t- we were going to talk about Omaha Red Devils. Uh, we we're going to be talking about 
the Los Angeles Black Storm. Um, let's start in Los Angeles, Nate. Uh, Salerno to Seattle, uh, kind of a change there, uh, and it leaves a big, big hole at quarterback, and she was very big staple there. So a couple of the names that are left over, if you want to call it that, the leftover gang, uh, Mariah Lopez and her sister, who now will take care of Marissa Lopez, will take over the helm as quarterback. Um, we don't know how sharp she will be. I know she's been training in Dallas with her sister. Uh, we, I, in other words, there's a lot of question marks there. And in the um, former LFL, okay, we were supposed to have KK Matheny. Unfortunately, she couldn't make it. But in the former LFL, yep. the quarterback is the key to everything. If you don't have a quarterback, right, Denver, Omaha, as an example, you don't get a quarterback. You can't survive in this seven-on-seven environment. No, you're 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 absolutely right, and it's going to be um, it's going to be a very experimental season if there even is one uh, for Los Angeles, like you said. You know, Lopez sister seven training, but the the question is is how effective is that almost that that last minute gear shift because you're talking about you know somebody that like you said has never done quarterback before. So how will that translate into becoming? You know, a quarterback needed in a bind and in a pinch with the sudden departure of Ashley Salerno to Seattle. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. I know there's a lot of good um, offensive line around her, but it'll be how does she connect with them, how do they connect with her, and how does the coaching staff come up, what game plan do they come up with to make it all work? So, Nate, we have all the questions that we have is certain states are opening up, right, to, you know, allow for – practice and stuff like that this team right here has a lot of question marks almost like COVID-19 there's just a a mixture of a lot of rookies there's a couple Mm -hmm. returning vets Mariah Lopez uh, Tajana Anderson uh, Lindsey Cash uh, Cheyenne Luter uh, you got like I said Marissa but other than that everybody else is somewhat these even uh, Gris Correa who comes from Mexico from the uh, Liga del Pacifico um, from the rampage, but overall, a lot of these players are new, and it's going to need some time to gel. And it's going to be, you know, you can't just get up and running. Um, it looks like the announcement was made that X League will have a season starting in June through August. That was the announcement this week from the uh, LA Storm, Black Storm page. The LFL pages have not officially announced a schedule, so it basically it was. You know, I, w- I wouldn't say leaked out. It was just presented. And so June through August is where we're anticipating a full season. So I guess it will all be based on, uh, for example, California hasn't allowed uh, a full-flown sports yet. So they're maybe waiting to see if by June they will do it, which th- was the initial announcement to begin with. Right, and it'll be interesting to, to see how that plays out. They're, they're, they're putting a lot of confidence in – this this being over, which I, I think anybody who's anybody does, but um, as far as Los Angeles concerned, I mean, like you said, multiple, multiple, multiple question marks. Will things be open? Will they get to play? And then above all else, once you get past those two brick walls, then the other one becomes, can they even gel and get started the first game? Because you're only going to have two chances, and if you blow the first one, you're done. Yeah, and, and you know what? 
I'm, I'm understanding where Mitchell's head would be, but if I was the owner, if you're telling me you can't have fans in the stands, it's a, it's a complete write-off. It's just a loss, right? No concessions, no players in the stands. You're going to have to pay the arena, yeah. right? Unless they unless right. they allow fans to just six feet apart, which is not a big deal for the LFL because if you've got a 7,000-seat arena, you're normally you average, what, 3,400 or something like that? You can spread out 3,400. You know what I mean? In the arena, you can do that. You can do that easily. But if you're not, if there's not going to be fans there, you know, I. And, and the interesting part is, is if you're having to, I mean, at least in the case of of X League, they wouldn't have to change probably anything about the game itself. It's not like, you know, MLB and NFL sending out the laundry list of we're going to do this and do that to the point where it's like, why bother? But at the same time. Right. You, you wouldn't want to do it without fans because, like you said, there, there's that, there's not that, that payoff and that, that, that buyback into paying for the venue, paying for the, the staffing and the security around that whole thing. Um, so, I mean, you know, if if it comes down to it that they're told that they're they're not going to have fans, I I wouldn't even go for it. I mean, I, I know how Mitch that's, thinks. That's what but I'm I just, like, As the owner, I want to go Mitchell's- for it. Mitchell's uh, anticipation there's just, it's just a total loss if you're not gonna have if you're not gonna get any money from compensation of either revenue you know what I mean like from yeah. the arena and everything else uh, it's gonna be somewhat of a loss so I don't know if he's gonna want to take a loss that way and just and I don't we don't even know if he's committed and paid for all the arena capacity at this moment it looks like it, he has because if the schedule is put out in June all the way to August there is a commitment there and he's the only football in in I guess he'll be the only football in the summer, so which is a perfect perfect thing to do. But right. uh, the the other option is if you don't get fans in the stands, if you allow fans in the stands at six feet social distancing, then you're good to go. Because even on the concession stand mentality, you can do six feet and still make the concessions and all that stuff. So maybe the LFL, I mean, maybe the X League knows something we don't know. But the schedule has been put out by the LA Black Storm, and it starts in June, all the way down to August. So it's kind of a, I guess, a traditional, traditional X League schedule. You know, you're taking off two months basically, right? And you're just adjusting the two months. And you're slicing it in half essentially. Yeah, so that that's where LA stands. Ontario has always been very friendly to them in terms of accommodation. I'm pretty sure, uh, based on COVID nineteen, that the arena would be more than happy to accommodate, even on you know putting up protocols and things like that. So. Uh, I'm thinking that's where, uh, you know, Mortaz's uh, conversations have been, where he's able to accommodate because of the fact that he doesn't pack the house in terms of the whole arena at 7,000. So even if you got 2,500 to 3,000, you can still do, you know, six feet apart on everybody. Right. There's there's still that chance and still that possibility. But you got to get over, you know, how many question marks and walls first to even get to that point. So. You know, and even to have that confidence to put it, you know, as as far as you know where we may right now, and as, to to have as much confidence to put it in June as as he does, it's, I don't know. We'll we'll take it as it comes, and we'll see what happens. But until then, it's a big fat question mark on everything. Okay, so uh, last week we said um, Denver, one of the teams that we would put basically on the lower scale. So given the loss of Salerno. And we have no idea what the potential of Marissa Lopez will be. Or we already know what Mariah can bring to the table because she was really very stellar. Um, so do we put L.A. above Denver? 
I think we could. I I, I think only because, um, you know, they. Well, actually, that's that's an interesting point. I didn't think about that. I'm, hmm, that's a toss up. I would probably because you have to look at the the veteran power. They have a lot more veteran power coming back on Denver than they are LA. I would probably put Denver above Los Angeles right now until they are proven. All right, so we had uh, I think Austin. No disagreement there, right? Austin, probably the top dog at this point. Then we got to really yeah. kind of look at Seattle and Atlanta. And I'm thinking uh, Molly Richardson, and then Salerno. So I'm going to give Seattle the edge with Salerno at the helm. Then you would get Atlanta. Uh, then obviously Denver with Med Medrano, unproven as well, and uh, Marissa Lopez, unproven at this point. So those are the those are where we're at now. Then we bring in the Omaha Red Devils into the picture. The Omaha Red Devils come into the picture with veteran leadership. Uh, we're looking at about maybe I think one of I want to say like ten veterans returning, including the addition of Delaney Hall from LA. You got uh, Mama Sita coming back. You got uh, Shailene Durham, Jessica Johnson, um, Lauren Crouch who messed up her shoulder, and I'm assuming she's probably recovered well now at this point. Uh, Raina Holmbrooks, um You have Jacqueline Good, who's been there forever. Sarah Block. Uh, so there's a lot of veterans on the Red Devils, formal, formerly the Omaha, you know, in the LFL. So there's a lot of and then Ileana Grubbles as well, tight end. Uh, Lauren Jay. Um, so so technically, um, the Red Devils have a nucleus. That's what I'm trying to get my point here. So they this shouldn't right. it shouldn't be a shocker that they would be, they would do well at this point, especially with the young quarterback and then the uh, the middle linebackers, the defensive ends. Um, that's really good. You get a weapon like Delaney Hall as well uh, for uh, Kraut um, and Jessica Johnson as well. So if those two can gel up, we could see the Red Devils be uh, be somewhat a, a surprising team for this season. Yeah, the only the only question mark I I have with Omaha is they do have that nucleus, and they do have actual coaching staff that is returning. We haven't seen that before. We've seen a lot of changes in the past with coaching staff. We've never seen consistency. Now we're seeing consistency with that core coming back. And the question will be, can they continue to capitalize on the successes they had last year and continue to build on that? Because they're still kind of the the, the 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 bottom feeders and the easy pickings for the other teams of the league. But if they can capitalize on the successes and the little bits of light and hope they showed last season, they do have a good chance to be successful. But they need to continue to capitalize, continue to build, and continue to add on to what they showed they can do last season, and they have a chance. i put them middle of the pack easily. All right, so you're, you're, you're hopeful on that. Um, and I think, I think really, if we had to rank them right now, Austin number one, Seattle number two, Atlanta number three. Uh, I would put Omaha right now number four. We haven't obviously looked into Chicago and Kansas City. Um, right. So it would be Omaha, maybe top four, and then it would be Denver, Los Angeles, to your point before that. So some of the teams are going to have trouble. Kansas City, brand new. Uh, and then we're going to look at Chicago, who's completely revamped as well, but but they're bringing back some veterans. Um, so it can, it's going to be interesting next week as we talk about Chicago and obviously 
the uh, KC Force at this point. Um, we'll see how you know the, their rosters look at this point too. Um, so Nate, uh, I guess uh, we got to go with the front runners: Austin, Seattle, Atlanta, Omaha, Denver, LA, and we're going to figure out where we slot Kansas City and Chicago next week. I like the sound of that. That works for me. All right. Um, let's see. Let's bring in the the salty one here in the house, uh, Mackenzie. And so, uh, Mackenzie, uh, they messed up with my horns, Mackenzie, which is BS. <laughs> you know what I mean? Pure yes! bull. <laughs> they messed oh, up with my horns. They screwed up the uniforms. <laughs> I mean. I mean, it's almost like putting hot teas in my mouth. It, it was not cool. <laughs> I felt, you, you, thought, you thought you were salty. I was livid. This is just bull, like butterscotch. <laughs> Did you see that? Did you see the travesty of the bone uniform? What the hell is that? Bone. Look, look, I'm just... <laughs> I love it. Look, I told you. You thought I was playing. I said, God, because I... Did I... Nate, did I not predict last week that they were going to screw this up and I was going to get the best laugh of 2020 so far? Like, that Yes, you did. Thing. Yes, you did. Um, I don't think... Oscar, I'm not sure if you recollect this, but it's a thing, and I now... I'm it's not a thing. And I'm just, not a it, thing. It, it is a thing because it's I'm so giggling up. over it, and you're mad. Who is this designer idiot? What is Nike doing? This is ridiculous. What do we do with the horns? You screw up the horns, Demoff. That is just lame. <laughs> Even Derek Dickerson gave him the finger. The horns are – oh, my God, I was so mad. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? What is it? What is it, a swirl? It's not even a horn anymore. It's like a make the two curls. Just ridiculous. Look, okay, so, so here's here, here's what I'm gonna say. Okay, you I'm know, boycotting the apparel. A... I'm done. Boycotting the apparel. I'm not buying one <laughs> single. Did you even see the logo? The logo is horrible. And then hey, uh, Nate, Nate, I went to the ticket sale yeah. for SoFi Stadium, right? And right. Get, lo and behold. I'm in the same situation that a Clipper fan would be. I'm buying Clipper tickets. And I'm looking like, man, i got to buy the Charger tickets because at the same seat it's going to cost me less money to cheer for the team. So I don't even know what Clunky's thinking and what Demoff's thinking and Sneed's thinking, but somebody's got to wake up because somebody's smelling crap, and I'm smelling crap. So here's the deal. Look, look, Oscar, I told you, you know, I'm two for two, and I, I literally enjoyed watching the admin chat. Because I told myself that day, I said, they're going to mess this up, and me and Nate are going to get a good luck. And I literally popped a bag of popcorn before I, um, before I opened the admin chat, and lo and behold, here's Salty Oscar just wailing on the design. And to be, to be honest, I thought it was a lot better. It, it turned out, to, in my opinion, it turned out a lot better than I originally thought it was going to, not going to lie. However, still sucks. <laughs> not going to lie there either. Um, it could be a lot worse. You could have no horn, or you could have like a 3D image of a horn coming out of the helmet. You know, something, something asinine like that. Uh, so be thankful that it's like, it, it's like I, I understand they're trying to like the horns, modernize. Hey, it. I will admit, the horns are growing on me gradually, so I'm not gonna look so bad for it. 
But the uniforms? Come on. What are we doing here? It's like a, the color, oh, my to God. me, the color scale is almost off. It just it doesn't it, it does not look like normal ram colors. Like it's darker. Ugh. Almost like a navy cowboy color or a Patriots color. It looks like college outfit. It's like a bright college <laughs> outfit. It's like, the, it's like the Oregon Ducks you know, with the yellow well, like Holly's ducks. Oh man. Ah, it's just bad. It's bad. <laughs> I'm just like <laughs> I even direct messaged the official Los Angeles Rams page, and I made an essay. I've never done an essay. That was an essay that I that I sent out. Like anybody's gonna listen, but I made an essay. I'm just like so bad. It's like, but I'm not buying anything. I'm not buying any of that crap. You're not gonna see me wear any of that. It's gonna be all old yes, school. Yes, yes, look, author. And mark author, my if you, words. If you buy something, Jones says, "Hey, the hell with you." That's Deacon Jones's words. The hell with you. That's it now. <laughs> I love all of this. Oh, man. You're rubbing this off is... on me, Sophie. I don't like it. It's not my personality. Yes, you do. You love it. You absolutely love it. Embrace it, Oscar. <laughs> no, I'm just like, uh, when I started to do the essay, I'm like, this is, I'm like Mac now. When she goes on her live rant, this is not cool. Cause it's not my it's not my demeanor. Oh, it just tickles my heart. <laughs> Your heart. Oh, I mean, I, was, I, I'm, I don't know, man. I was like, I even, I even like, it's sad. I was on Marshall Fox Live, and I just <laughs> threw threw a message out there. Hey, what do you think of the uni? You know what he told me? I don't care. I'm like, man, that's my mindset right now too. What the hell is this? He didn't care. <laughs> He's not even paying attention. Oh, excuse me. That is. <laughs> Thank God for I'm, I'm not sure what's more in a... Oh, man. I'm not sure what's funnier, though. Listening to you rant about it or me giggling over it. I'm probably going to say yeah, me giggling about it because you're, you're never it's salty. Like, 29 salty, and I just... all season. 29 all season. I'm just going to wear 29. That's it. Done. Twenty nine and seventy five. Twenty nine and seventy five. And I, I, my friend Mike, he says, go post a picture on the Rams page and just put a bird in front of the, you know, old school jersey and put a bird and just put down them off. Yeah, there you go. But I, I don't know. I'm just, <laughs> Good work. <sighs> Yeah, I don't want to get banned like uh, Mackenzie on Facebook, you know what I mean, for being o- overly aggressive yeah, and not politically correct. <laughs> you know, it's not my fault that Facebook Facebook can't seem to, you know, get a grip, you know, and understand what sarcasm and humor is, um, mainly the sarcasm. Oh, my part. gosh. Uh, you know, I may or may not, you know, and I have not been in Facebook jail for a while, so, you know, it's a record. I really haven't had, there really hasn't been any conversations or any, any you know any groups that have made me just like overly irritated to where I just have to. You know, I hate Carol Baskin like right now. Carol Baskin ruined our uniforms. That witch. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love it. <laughs> Not cool. Not cool. No, my wife said to me. No, my wife said to me, Kenzie. What? More money saved for me. I'm like, what the. Yes! Tell him, wifey. Right. <laughs> oh, God. 
You know what she said? Go ahead, and order, go, ahead, go ahead and order my bear stuff now, since you're saving all that money. Oh, yeah. uh, oh that's great. So, <laughs> uh, anyways, so how do you really feel, Oscar? I'm so butterscotch right now. It just feels, yeah, not cool. <laughs> just a bunch of BS, them off. Them off, a bunch of BS. Just sad. Sad. Mm. You should tweet him. You should you should tweet him. Tell him how you feel. Maybe you'll I end up did. on a Rams ticker on ESPN. <laughs> I even wrote an essay. I've never done an essay. I didn't even. I wasn't even great at college doing essays, and I did an essay, and it took me like forty minutes, and you know, doing my thing. Hopefully, they listen to me. I, I did reach out to Eric Dickerson, and he did respond, and he said, "I agree with you, bro." That was the only response I got from him. I agree with you, bro. It's like two bananas mm. on a helmet. He said to me. I was like, uh, Two bananas on a helmet. <laughs> That's what he said. I I love, I love all of this right now. <laughs> Dickerson. Oh. oh, I'm not buying the helmet. You know, my brother yes, even are. teased me. My brother even teased me. He's like, "Do you want me to buy that helmet?" I said, "No." Can I ship it to you? I said, "No." And I'm like, "What part of no don't you get, bro?" All of it. You just he was just trying to anti, you know, and just being. Uh, Anyways, let's move on from this disaster that it is. I'm hoping it'll look great on TV because that's all the goal is, to go look great on TV. All right. I mean, it Anyways. will look great in your office, too. It will not set foot in this home. <laughs> that will be what I'm telling you right now. All right. Oh, Anyways, I, I'm going to prepare my banner, you know, fire them off and Probably set it out there at the beginning of the season, and screw Cronky. Oh, good. I should do that. <laughs> way, way to stay positive. Yeah, way to stay positive. All right, uh, I'm off my soapbox, and uh, you know because of you, I went the other way, and I'm gonna try to mellow out and not go salty anymore. All right. You're welcome. So, Nate. All right, Nate. Uh, let's talk about NFL here, the moves in the NFL. Mackenzie, talk about NFL moves here. Uh, best move of the offseason, Tom Brady to Tampa Bay. Yes, no, Mackenzie? Um, I'm going to have to go with that being 1A. Obviously, with my being a Cowboys fan, I would have to say the steal of the draft was probably doubt, was Dallas picking up CeeDee Lamb. So that's going to be TB12 to Tampa Bay and CD Lamb to uh, um, Dallas is going to be my 1A and 1B right now. I, I like that CD. See, I like CD. Yeah. He's really good. I think that's a great move. I think they made a really good move. I, I don't know if um, your owner was asleep at the time, and maybe that's why the move was made. You know, I still to this day – wonder what was going through Jerry Jones' mind while he's sitting on that giant yacht. And as I was watching the draft, um, <laughs> the commentators of the, you know, the draft broadcast were just, they were sitting there wondering, like everybody was sitting there wondering why Jerry Jones is so giddy. And then the, uh, you know, the pick comes in and I said, and I said to myself, I was like, I wonder if we could, I wonder if we just miraculously picked up CeeDee Lamb. Like I really have, and I said that to my sister, I'm like, I don't think so because he should have been gone already, but you know, it's, it's, you know, it would literally be luck of the draw, and bing, bang, boom, CD Lamb to the Dallas Cowboys. I about fell out my chair. 
That was a good move. I like it. I like that move. That was really good. Nate, um, the other one is Hopkins to Arizona. I mean, the knuckleheads in Houston. You know, similar to Demoff. <laughs> yeah, they, well, I mean, because they're the goofballs going to let them go. They screwed the pooch on that one. But, uh, yeah, huge pickup for the Cardinals, you know, obviously. Um, gradually. And now you get David Johnson up. in return. You get David Johnson yeah. in return. What a trade. What a fantastic trade. Not. Oh, man. Cardinals Even get all the luck agree. and Houston not just... good. Nope. Oh, my uh, God. When I saw that trade, I was like, what? We're trading it over. David Johnson? Well, they do They do need a running back in Houston. So, uh, McKenzie, I guess it's a trade-off. You know, you trade the best wide receiver for a fourth-round draft pick, and then you get David Johnson. Well, like I said, you know, uh, the Texans' running game was Deshaun Watson. Okay, I mean, there really wasn't an outstanding running game. Now, like I said last week, you know, provided David Johnson can stay healthy, he he's a force to be reckoned with. I mean, he really is. He's he's an he's an Iron Man running back. But with being an Iron Man becomes you know, the the constant pressures of being injury prone and accident prone. So, I mean, we, you know, we all know the wear and tear of sports and the wear and tear of football, especially, you know, it, as you age, things start to linger. But I think that, you know, now that David Johnson himself is in a new atmosphere, you know, he's got a new offense, new quarter, new quarterback, new system, new mindset, I think it's going to help him out a lot as far as, Making sure he's doing his best to stay consistent, you know, consistent and healthy and available. Because the best, the best ability is availability. That's really, I mean, and it doesn't matter what sport it is. So, like I said, you know, with him being in Arizona for so long, um, you know, down there with Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, and then um, of course one of the ghosts, uh, Larry Fitzgerald. Um, you know, and then switching, switch, switching systems to essentially a little bit younger, uh, more. Up tempo um, running offense, especially with Deshaun Watson, who we know will either light light you up through the air or have no problems running, you know, running the ball himself. But I think I think having that running back, uh, like having him as the, as their sole running back at this point, um, you know, just from depth chart and you know the fact that they didn't have much of a running game solely last year, I think it's gonna it's gonna open people's eyes a little bit more. But like I say, he's got to stay healthy to do it. I agree. I mean, I really do. But um, I think Arizona picks up a great, you know, a- asset to to Murray, like we talked about the last couple of weeks. So, um, right. Nate, Joe Burrow uh, goes to Cincinnati. I think that was the surprise of everything, but it's a benefit. As Holly had mentioned before, this is probably going to be a learning curve. And since Dalton's no longer there, um, he becomes the person to run the show here. So, I guess the Bengals hang on Burrow's success. That's not, I mean, it's not a bad thing. And uh, there's a learning curve there, but I mean, you know, you did, you did have Dalton, which was, which was huge, but it wasn't like, I mean, we're we're not talking like, we're talking an easy transition. We're not talking like, um, you know, how do we replace Tom Brady type of situation, you know? So, you know, I, the the Bengals will be okay. 
I mean, they'll they'll put it together, and you know, they they got. A, I mean, they got a great quarterback. Let let's just put it right out there, and he'll he'll blend in easily. I don't see you know the learning curve being that big. I see you know a little trip up here and there, but other than that, he'll he'll push through, and by midseason, he'll be in full stride. All right, I I think I think it's to Holly's point. They, he might struggle at the beginning based on what they put around him, but overall, I think he'll be right. successful. Um, um, Mackenzie, the Niners had it literally had to be forced to let go of DeForest Buckner. It's one of the key pieces, and the the uh, Colts pick him up, and you get Philip Rivers uh, on the other side. So Indianapolis could uh, take advantage of this and and really really uh, solidify themselves on the defensive side of the ball, and then you add Rivers with you know, offensive explosiveness. So we talked about Indianapolis being somewhat of a change over team, and this could make a difference here with Buckner in the mix. You know, this was an interesting one for me. I'm still not sure I can wrap my head all the way around it. Um, honestly, I think for me, for me to, to be either satisfied or dissatisfied, I think I have to see how he runs, how he fares in their system. Um, their system's a little. I mean, it's not. It's not strange to where you know you can't pick up what kind. What kinds of you know schemes they're running and um, you know what they're blocking for and such. But um, it just seems a little bit unorthodox, which is fine. You know, you know nothing. Like nothing is wrong with being unorthodox. Hell, I'm I'm on I'm on unorthodox, and you know I've come so far. And obviously, they you know these players are in the NFL, so doing something. You know, doing stuff their own way is what, you know, has helped get them to where they are, you know, whether it's coaching, you know, regular staff members, you know, players, um, head coaching staff, stuff like that. So, like I said, I think for me personally, I have to see what, um, you know, what the adjustments look like as far as how he adjusts to being on a new team, like I said, running schemes, you know, bucket schemes, all that, all that uh, fun stuff. So, um, I'm, I'm on the fence with it still, but I'm not going to say it's a terrible, you know, a terrible trade-off. Yeah, no, I, I think that's the key, but I think he's a veteran, so uh, that's one of the things that I'm looking at. It's like he brings he the addition to him to the Colts on the defensive side because he's a true defensive maker, and it really makes makes a difference for both of them. So I really think that that's going to be a key for Indianapolis, and I think it'll be a staple and it'll help out maybe Phillip Rivers too in in that regard if he can get to a, to a point of that. Um, the other one, obviously, is uh, R- uh, Rob Gronkowski resurfacing and coming back to help out Tom Brady. That was really a surprise, right? Uh, but we don't know how durable he'll be. So that's the big question, you know, in Tampa Bay, basically. Yeah, you know, you know, Gronk is Gronk. I mean, after he had, you know, after he had some of those back problems, he was still able to come back and ball out and win the Super Bowl. Um, and then you know he takes he takes a year off, and then TB12 goes to Tampa Bay, and bang, here comes Gronk. Like TB12 and Gronk are like PB and J, you know, bananas and healthy stuff. You know, just they're mm-hmm. they are an, a very ideal couple, well pair, I guess, as far as the game and its receiving is is, is you know as far as I'm concerned because. Gronk, I mean, Gronk was never really used as a blocking tight end. Gronk was kind of used as the bigger slot receiver, even though he play, he is a tight end. Like, that is his position. He is almost, like I said, he's, in, in a nutshell, he's pretty much an Ironman receiver as well because that's, he 
TB TB12's biggest target, like literally most most thrown to, and biggest he's six seven. Who's who's gonna who's gonna who's gonna yeah, he's a from, from Gronk? Like someone tell me yeah, that. Other than like Shaquille O'Neal. Right. But uh, it's going to be all about Bruce uh, Bruce, uh, Bruce Arians and how he's going to put them in the mix. You know what I mean? Because Belichick had them at, with a certain s- scheme. So now we've we got to see how they're able to gel at this point. Um, that'll be the interesting question. Can he be durable? And he's going to be durable enough. And then, you know, how well is the offense going to run, you know, with that format? Uh, a lot of questions there for Tampa Bay in that regard. Um, Mac, Buffalo, you know, has James Brown. Cole Beasley, your guy from the Cowboys. Um, so they're really, they really made some impacts last year, obviously with the quarterback and the receivers. And now you go ahead and add Stephon Diggs. Yeah, that's going to be a scary um, – that is going to be a scary team to watch. Holy cow. Um, and not to mention they also picked up Jake Fromm and my guy A.J. Epinesa, my big old defensive end from Iowa. Um, mm-hmm. Which is which is where they really needed help the most as far as getting depth on their chart. Um, AJ's the kind of player. AJ's a, a dynamic player. Don't get me wrong. And to be honest, I I think he's gonna I think he's gonna start. I really do. I think he's he's good enough to make the, the 52 man roster, and he's good enough to start to either start or get you know get that that second man spot. Um, what's really going to do it though is how he, you know, how again it's the 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 college to you know bigger league adjustment. That's really what it's going to be um, as far as determining, you know, determining what he what his role on the 52 man roster is going to be. I mean, and the same thing really could be said for Stephon Diggs. Like Stephon Diggs is a G. Everybody knows what he can do, um, but everybody also knows that you know sometimes if he doesn't get his way. Things you know, things can go either you know, things can go either way. But the fact that he's in a new he's in a new environment now, I think is going to change his mindset completely as far as like, you know, buying into the system and, you know, being all in for you know what his coaches and what his staff is telling him. So, I think I think Stefan Diggs having, you know, having made that made that move and you know them bringing him to. Uh, to the Bills, it's going to be. I think it's going to be a wrap. <laughs> to be honest, it's there. The, the Bills are going to end up having a pretty, pretty good season. I, and I would not be surprised if they ended up going, you know, through the playoffs at least to the second round. Do you feel like they're going to own the AFC East because of Brady being gone? If they, if they can gel Beasley, Brown, Diggs, and you know get that going, I think the Bills really will own this division because. I don't think the Jets are going to be a real factor, and we have no idea what Miami's going to look like at this point, but I would say they would be considered the front runners based on last year's performance. And then you add Stefan Diggs now. Yeah, you know, you, you add components to an already decently oiled machine, and you add those bigger components to it, it makes the well oil, it makes the decently oiled machine a very well oiled machine. And then you add those new components to it as far as the, those those uh, draft picks that you get and you mold them to how, you know, how you want them to run their system, you know, things of that nature. I, like I said, I don't see why they can't run, run the AFC East at all. I mean, just like you said, TB 12 is gone. He's no longer in, in new England. 
Um, the Dolphins, you know, got a they got a pretty good draft. They got Tua, so we're going to see what Tua yeah, can do, and, but still unproven, basically. Yeah, and I mean, and and that's the kind of the, the hard thing with um, draft picks is you can do all your speculations, you can you know watch all the game tape, go to the pro days, combine, um, you know, watching college game tape, all you know, all that stuff. But in the end, it's it's really speculation until they lace up the cleats, shoulder pads and helmets, you know, and start running running offense game speed and start, you know, picking up uh plays and calls and, you know, the 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 higher level stuff. So it's going to be it's going to be good. It's going to be fun to watch. I'm I'm pretty pumped to be honest. All right. So we go to San Francisco trading for Trent Williams, which uh had set out for a year in Washington because of Joe Staley retiring. They sort of had to fill that spot. So, um, a year off, do you think it's going to be a factor for uh, for Trent Williams to get back on the groove, especially with, you know, the COVID situations happening now at home and he's taking a year off. It's almost two years of no football, technically. So, we don't, we don't know what kind of a durability the Niners are going to get with this with this uh, trade. Again, you know, it's kind of like the Gronk situation. You know, he – had he had his injury issues, got him fixed, took a year off, came back, won the Super Bowl, or you know, I guess was you know had to recover from the injuries, then won the Super Bowl, then took last year off, and is now back. I think what they kind of have to do is already give give that respect to the fact that he has played already. Like he's, it, it would be different if he was a rookie last year and got hurt, and then this would be his second actual season playing. Um, but that's not quite the case. So it's kind of you, – you kind of have to go off of speculation, but you also have to go off the fact that he has played in the league before. He has been on teams. He has had, um, you know, um, respectable uh, mileage as far as gameplay. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think they got to – they pick up a pretty good player, just it's going to be uh, how well is uh, after a year off and basically two years, if you think about this season, and how well it's going to happen. So – We'll see how they, you know, manage that and how impactful he's going to be for the Niners. Um, the other thing was Baltimore picks up Calais Campbell from Jacksonville, and I'm pretty sure Calais Campbell is probably stoked because he's going to Baltimore, which was a lot more successful than Jacksonville, and he was a five-time Pro Bowler with the Jaguars. So uh, immediate upgrade for the Ravens, technically. Yeah, that's a, that, that. See, and that's another one I'm still on the fence about. There's, a, there's been a, a good handful of, of these trades um, and, pick, and player pickups that I'm still trying to figure out or wrap my head around. Um, so it'll be – I can't – I don't really have much to say about that one because, like I said, I'm still – I, I want to see what the transition as far as moving into a new well, system Baltimore, is going to be like before Baltimore I had problems on, you know, on containment in terms of running the ball. So I think this is a good pickup for them because it seals up the hole and it gives them an opportunity. And he was uh, the 2019 Run Defender of the Year. So it's a really good body, makes good stops, uh, even on a bad team like the Jaguars. Now you put him, obviously, in a better better suitable team like the Ravens. I think Campbell's going to do really good for that and help out, obviously, Lamar Jackson and company there. Uh, the Browns signed Jack Conley from the Titans. So we talked about how the Brown pieces last year, we overhyped, everything's going to work out great. You know, you got this huge offense 
everything else. Um, they sign him not too bad of a price amount for them, but they do get, you know, uh, an offensive tackle to stay, uh, take care of a Mayfield and company. So this is a good pickup for them. It solidifies the front, the front line and uh, you add the offensive mentality that they have now. So the Browns could be relevant. Yeah, you know, I think what has to happen, though, is Baker has to step up his game. Like, has to. I mean, he just uh, – he kind of – he was a little complacent last year with the success of his rookie season, and everybody saw it. And I think he started to realize it once, you know, defenses were catching on to what he was doing, you know, being able to catch him. I mean, he's not the quickest QB in the world, but he, he will run as well. Like, he's – He's a pretty decently um, agile mobile quarterback. So I think now, you know, now that I think that he's had a taste of like, oh, you know, I'm not invincible kind of thing. I think he'll be, I think he'll be a lot better than what people expect him to be this coming season. All right. We talked about Phillip Rivers last week and prior to that. So we already know uh, the Colts pick up a veteran quarterback. Uh, The question will be, is is he going to struggle in a new offense? Um, you know, obviously we had Brissett before that leading the way, and you get some pieces here. We just talked about the defensive side of the ball as well. So um, new home for Phillip Rivers. Maybe this is the second coming of uh, Peyton Manning in, in a short-term mentality for the Indianapolis Colts fans. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to say short. Yeah, see, Oscar, that's a tough one. You keep giving me all these tough ones. Oh, um. I mean, I'm not comparing him to Peyton Manning long term, but I'm just saying, like, short term, he has the arm. He can be exciting. Uh, You know, Indianapolis should be somewhat happy that they get a veteran quarterback who understands, and he's been in the league a long time. So he could make an impact, you know, short term. Yeah, and I and to be honest, I think with them rebuilding the program or making it, you know, or not really rebuilding it, but essentially um, reconstructing it, if you will, um, I think that's what they kind of have to look for at this point, like right this second, as, as far as going into 2020 season, um, with it being, you know, with it being coming right around the corner here in a couple months. I think that's what they have to look look towards right now is the short is what can you do for me right now kind of thing. Um obviously it's gonna you know obviously it's gonna take you know that much little you know that longer that much longer to get to where they think, you know, okay, they he's hit the short term the short term goals and success that we've been looking for. Now it's time to look for what we can do to keep, you know, make sure that we can do, you know, do this a little bit longer, and you know, with the same offense, same, um, you know, playbook, quarterback, you know, the same components to keep going with that short-term success in order to move it along. Yeah, the other, uh, the Raiders, they signed Corey Littleton, my guy, who's pretty durable. I like the kid. I think he's he was good. Um, you know, he's pretty young. He's about 26 now. Um, he covered really well. So we lose him. Thank you, Demoff, for letting Corey Littleton go. Um, so the Raiders pick him up. It really helps them in terms of the linebacker position. So, I don't know, Chucky should be happy with a pretty proven player here, and hopefully because of their inaugural season in Las Vegas, maybe 
he's going to be somewhat of a player to watch. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of what you have to look for at this point. Um, you know, adding depth to that linebacker position where they were kind of is what they were kind of missing anyway, especially with the Raiders. Um, you know, no longer having Khalil Mack for second, third year in a row now. Um, it really, really had they really struggled, I and mean, you could you could see that. Um, I think with having Littleton back there, though, that's going to change. I and and I I would even it would even be safe to say it was it's going to change dramatically. It's going to give, uh, it's going to bring the defense kind of that intimidation presence back. It's what it's just whether or not, you know, again, the moving teams adjustment and making sure everybody is on the same page as far as far as buying in. I agree. I think it's really, but he's an impactful player and hopefully the Raiders will utilize him correctly and they, it'll make an impact. Um, the other draft that we talked about was obviously a no brainer, right? Chase Young goes to the Redskins. Redskins need some bad help. Uh, Rivera, a smart guy. So he picks up obviously the best, second best guy in the country. And so, you know, Washington over with Jen King, they got, they got a lot of homework. They got to, they got to put this team back on the map. Um, so I think, uh, you know, between Rivera and the new coaching staff there, we could see a revival of some Carolina Panthers teams of the past because he's adding some key piece, pieces like Chase Young. Yeah, um, Chase Young. Oh, I am not a Buckeye fan, but I am a Chase Young fan. That's for sure. He is definitely one of the most dynamic players to come out of this draft. And dynamic means he runs on all cylinders. Like I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure he doesn't sleep at times, you know, thinking about how he can get better or finding ways uh to to keep his game going and, you know, to up his game. So um that that kind of drive and passion that he has and obviously the success that he had while being at Ohio State is for him at least is definitely going to fold over um you know, into into the league, so I'm I'm pretty pumped to watch him. Yeah, I I think it's, he's going to be really exciting and um, see how you know Coach Rivera puts him in the scheme sets here. Um, if you needed a tight end, I guess uh, the Browns added another weapon on offense, which is um, Austin Hooper, and so you know from Atlanta, so they add him onto the roster here. Um, I don't know what you you know what your thoughts are here, but I think offensively they they're stacking up here. They got you know Landry. They still have um, OBJ. So you add Hooper here, who has had a really good two seasons here. So I mean it didn't cost them much, but at the same time it's you know it's a good addition considering uh, David uh, Yoku's uh, inconsistencies. They get a proven uh, you know ball catcher here, so. The Browns making some waves here uh, in the trades and also, you know, giving Mayfield some weapons. You know, Austin Hooper is an interesting one. I did not – that was – he was kind of not somebody I imagined, be, you know, becoming a Brown of all, you know, people going, you know, going, becoming part of the dog pound. But I like it. I like it a lot because – Hooper is a very um, he's a very technical tight end. He he would much rather make sure he's got his blocks first and then make sure he gets the he got he gets the route down. 
you know, he, he puts he wants to make sure both both components of his game as far as being a tight end, like his presence is all is all well rounded. Um, some tight ends in the league either focus a lot on one part of it or focus a lot on the other, uh, which is may, why you know maybe why they don't get as many targets as they feel they should as you know as a tight end. But that's, like I said, that takes us back to like the Gronks and the Hoopers and um, you know those well-rounded well, so players. Mayfield can get another couple of security blankets. You know, OBJ, Laundry. Yeah, the addition of him. Uh, I think offensively, the Browns feel like, you know, this is going to be a good nucleus in terms of offense. So, we'll, you know, it looks promising, in other words, because he's a proven, you know, consistent player where the previous tight end that they had obviously was not that great. So this is definitely, a, you know, an A-grade upgrade. Um, Mac, uh, Malcolm Jenkins returns to the Bayou after being in Philly for a long time. So, I'm assuming New Orleans has got to be very happy. He's at home. Should make an impact right away, considering he's back home. You know, you, you can take you can take the hometown boy out of the state, but you can't take the state out of the hometown boy. That's a fact. <laughs> I mean, what I mean, what else? What more do I need to say? I mean, he's be, he's back in you know back in his home state, back in his hometown. I don't I don't see why he doesn't tear it up tear it up and the fact that he's been gone for so long is gonna make is more, more than likely gonna make him make him play that much better. Yeah, and, and he's he's very talented. So like I said, being back home probably gonna be a great addition for them in a kind of happy state. Um, since the Falcons lost Hooper, they picked up Hayden Hurts from the Baltimore Ravens. Um, pretty good player, not a, probably as good as Hooper, but kind of gives you somewhat of durability um, over two seasons, uh, 43 passes caught, uh, or I mean, 49 receptions in the last three. So they traded a fifth-round pick to the Ravens to pick up uh, Hertz. So I guess you don't really drop off that much. So I guess that's what Atlanta's, you know, wish was basically when they traded for Hertz. You know, Jalen Hurts, I am actually – I've been a fan of his since he was at Bama, and I'm, everybody knows I hate Alabama. But I am a Jalen Hurts fan. And I, and I think part of the reason why Jalen went higher in the draft that is his work, his work ethic and character alone. I mean, wow. <laughs> that. That is one high character individual. I mean, literally. I mean, I I don't know how many times I would see clips on the OU football page or clips on on fan pages or Instagram things of that nature of Jalen literally after just having a game, you know, and he could have had a very good game and still pounding that work, getting a good grind, and you know, lifting, go through playbooks, watching game tape already. Like he is so. He is so self so self motivated. It's crazy, and I mean, in a way, he kind of reminds you of Carson Wentz um, because of the way he works. Carson Wentz, when he came in, when he came into the league, um, you know, as a as a rookie, he had that exact same drive, and that's what won him that starting position in Philadelphia. So I like I said, yeah. I'm not going to be shocked if Jalen so, somehow you know I, I, does something. Your point. 
I think he's really good. It's a good fit. Uh, they don't downgrade, you know, from uh, from Hooper. So they get a really good asset here, to your point. And, hey, I mean, why not? Just keep it the same, technically, if you th- think about it. Um, the Eagles trade for Darius Slay, which the Lions let go. And so uh, they gave a third and a fifth round draft pick. So we get a reliable t- uh, cover corner. That's what they needed here. So I guess the Eagles pick up security yeah, like I said, you know, this this season seems to be um, a lot of the same patterns with, with a lot of teams as far as adding to what they have and kind of redefining what they have as far as um, a system. It, it seems to be lots of different moving pieces, lots of new moving pieces, lots of familiar moving pieces within a league, but, you know, new to a team, new to the team kind of thing. So, um, it, it's going to be like this the whole season alone is just going to be ball to wall and just very, very um, high intensity to watch. It's I'm, yeah, I'm almost, I'm almost mind blown thinking about it. Yeah. And, and, and so, it, you know, you pick up somebody that you're just going to plug in, which is great because in most offenses, you don't want to get a rookie from the draft, but if you can get a free agent with maybe not that expensive, you don't give up much, then, you know, you're always in, inclined for that. Um, Mac, uh, New Orleans picks up, obviously, um, you know, some pieces, and then they sign Emmanuel Sanders, which is going to be complimentary to Michael Thomas, which is, you know, big-time game-changer Michael Thomas. So maybe a decoy? Is that what we're using Sanders like they did in Frisco? I hope not. See, that would be so disrespectful. Oh, man. Oh, oh, I hope not. Oh, I I hope they don't do him like that. I would if I were if I were Sanders and that ended up happening, I would be very livid. Um, especially because of the kind of pedigree that I bring to a team. Being Emmanuel Sanders, I mean, re- record stats don't lie, and I think that's why that's why I don't think he's going to be a decoy, um, at least for the entire season. Now, obviously, they're going to use him as a decoy to to see what kind of different defensive looks teams are going to give him because of who he is. Um, but I don't think he's going to be used solely as a decoy. To be honest, I think they put, they put Sanders on one side and, and uh, Michael Thomas on the other uh, with crossing routes and see who gets covered, who, you know, who, who gets double teamed first, who, you know, which one of those two uh, ends up attract, you know, attracting more of the, the defensive players to them um, at a time. And it's, it, and it, honestly, it's going to be easy to tell um, because defenses love to bite on quick receivers. It, it's just that simple defensive corners and safeties like to cheat on, on uh, zone reads. They like to cheat on, you know, trying to get an, an extra step of, ahead of that quick receiver. And both Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders are very fast individuals. So, and then they both have hands too, which is which is the other complementary part. You some receivers, well, some receivers have quick feet, some receivers have good hands, but the, you don't find good, you know, you don't you don't find many receivers that have a good combination of both. I agree with you. I really do. I, I think that's a, a really good key point right there. And then you know you have Thomas and Sanders on either side. Uh, the potential is there for. Um, Sean Payton to really make something happen in terms of offense, and you still have Drew Brees. So, hey, there's there's explosiveness there. Um, 
the last person we're going to look at is Eric Ambron. He was in Indianapolis. Now he goes to Steeltown, uh, probably the key focus point in terms of Indianapolis. Uh, he was he had like three, uh, 13 touchdowns. And so, uh, you know, a, tran- a transition of roller coaster in terms of uh, quarterbacks from Luck to Brissett. But Ebron, I think, signing with the Steelers is kind of a nice pickup for them at this point. So, you know, it's it's just, it's one of those things. Like again, it's just a, a nice safety blanket. Yeah, I mean, I really don't have anything to add to that. I mean, you pretty much hit it square on the nose right there, Oscar. I mean, <laughs> you're bringing in you're bringing in veteranship. You're bringing in another high character guy, leadership as well. You know, we'll we'll get you the plays and get you. Um, you know, get you your three and outs as you, yeah, you know, as you request, and he'll be, you know, and he'll he will he, he essentially he should start essentially, right? right. Um, you know, but like you know, like we said, you know, it's it's this season is is about redefining teams' identities, um, especially after you know this what seems to be a, an elongated um, off season uh, type thing with. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I think Ebron's a really good say. The Steelers have never been known for flashy trades or, or draft picks. They've always been known for, like, Band-Aids, besides Le'Veon Bell and, what, Antonio Brown or something like that. But they've never been known to spend money. Yeah, no, they, they've always been the kind of team to, okay, I need this – is, this is the position or type of player I need, and they literally have – most for I mean the past couple of seasons they have been able to go get that kind of player. Yeah, um, Mac. I, before we before uh, you guys came on here, I was talking about uh, there's a cool article on the Guardian at the at the hub at facebook.com for slash Grand Beauties. Uh, women's exposure after COVID nineteen. So in other words, women's sports. Um, we were making ends roads. We were all excited for the 2020 seasons. You know, in terms of that. Um, the the question is, you know, once all this is over with, you know, God help us sooner than later. Um, at th- at some point in 2021, do you think the momentum's going to come back, or are we going to be like basically going back a year, you know, kind of a setback in other words, in terms of sponsorships and money um, and things like that. Sponsorships and money and setbacks with women's sports in 2021. I don't see it happening, um, especially with all of the exposure that has been brought to the to women's national team, especially. Um, and you also have to think of those those smaller women's leagues like the WNFC and the WFA and the women's semi-pro sports um, sports entity in in its entirety, and all the things that we're doing to. It, you either advance the game or advance the awareness that hey, women's sports is a thing. Either hop on board or move out of the way because we're gonna, you know, it, things are gonna change anyway. So, and I think the big Not things with that is unemployment, the state of the country, you know, just uh, the ravishing of the economy. In other words, it's it's really what the the article is trying to expose is like how, you know, the aftermath of COVID nineteen is really the question. Do you feel like because of the economy, if it doesn't, if the economy doesn't, you know, turn around, in other words, you got high unemployment, things like that um, happening. It's going to affect a lot of people because their point was, 
if the men's sports don't get behind supporting women's sports, then we could have a setback of maybe two years just because of the, all the factors with the virus, the economy, you know, the men's, men's clubs traditionally not supporting the women, you know what I mean? All those other factors. No, and I, and, and I'm not, and it, it's not, that's not totally untrue at all. That's, that's not what I'm saying here. What I am saying though is for, for it's, it's unrealistic to think about a, a, a two year setback or a one year setback because right. of the fact that um, women's collegiate football, as far as flag is concerned, is now a, a collegiate sport. So, with that, with that announcement being dropped, it already opens up doors and, and keeps the interest because people are now going to be like, oh, well, there's women out here in college playing football. It may not be full, you know, full tackle, but they're out here with flags and making passes mm-hmm. and blocks, you know, and, you know, it's, it's adding, it's basically adding to the stepping stone that we have already been trying to move forward. And I just don't see, a, you know, a world, I don't see a world health pandemic really stopping that um, in terms of being able to get the awareness out there and being able to show like, Hey, this is still a thing. We may not be in, in season yet, or we may not, you know, things may be delayed because of, because of the virus, but I don't think it's going to put a step back on anything. All right. I mean, that's a good point. Cause you're, you know, we want to go positive, right? We don't want to be thinking about how we're going to regress so badly and have to recover so bad. But overall, the sports industry, in other words, the women's sports industry has always struggled with just exposure in general. You know what I mean? Support and exposure, whether it be broadcasting or you know, things like that. So hopefully we've made enough, you know, dent on it. The WFLA is going to be a, a huge obstacle for them because – the promise to pay, okay, that's going to be a huge deal for them. I mean, the XFL had a lot of money, and look what happened to them. Here, I mean, I, we have no idea what the structure is going to be. We we do have an opportunity to bring in Brandon Shelby, the WFLA commissioner, next week. He will be here on the Blitz, and we're going to, you know, poke his brain in terms of, you know, what the WFLA is about, what the vision is, you know, what are we looking at based on the economy right now and the, and the virus and the, you know, we're looking at almost a year out of the launch, you know, for May 5th, 2021. So that's going to be really interesting to figure out where his mindset is. Um, based on IG interviews, he's always said, hey, if we're the front runners for pay, uh, we're still going to need a feeder system. So that means the WNFC and the WFA don't go away. I mean, in, in, his, in his mind. Yeah, I can't wait for that. Going to be a good, good podcast next week. I mean, every week we have a podcast that's a good one, but that one especially is going to help answer a lot of questions and hopefully, 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 settle a lot of doubt within, or I guess, question, you know, questions in, you know, its entirety um, with him coming on the podcast. So. I think this is one people need to look forward to. People need to tune into this. Uh, everybody that has, you know, given their doubts, myself included, you know, really need to try to, to hear what he's saying and, you know, listen to what he's saying as far as, uh, what, you know, what, he, what his plans are, you know, because we, we want something that's concrete. And that's really the biggest thing is in our eyes, there's, there's nothing concrete. There's nothing set in stone. There's nothing that we can, you know, 
well, associate you know ourselves to like, oh, Matt, okay. It's been, a, it's been a different model approach, right? Because I was thinking about it a long time ago, like three, four weeks ago. Traditionally, right, we set the foundation of the house, right, the structure, which is, you know, the rostering, the coaching, the, you know, the on-field play, the, you know, the combining, everything, right? Traditionally, that's how we've with that, as far as I know, that's every that's how it's been done, right? Uh, this league is doing it to yeah, where it's marketing know, it's not... marketing reversed. It's acquiring sponsorships through networking and and connections first, uh, and then they're going to lay the foundation later. That you know, what I'm saying it's a, it's like a totally different approach. And and if you've been stuck on the other approach, you're like, hey, what are you guys doing? What is this, right? So it's a matter of like you know maybe. Uh, Commissioner Shelby is going to enlighten us in terms of what, you know, how they're working it to, to be successful, you know, in terms of the pay, the players status. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and like I said, that's, that's what it's going to be right there is, is we want something that's somewhat tangible. You know, we need answers. We, we want to know what's different about what you're doing. That's going to make your league successful that you know that's different from what every every other league has done or is doing right now because like I said I mean like like we know right now the two biggest women's leagues well three if you count the X league or when you count the X league is the X league the WSA and the WNFC and and where where he thinks where he thinks the WSLA is going to fall in between those three is really going to uh, really going to be the, the other thing that people look for is where does he think that his league is going to compare to the other three leagues and what he's doing differently compared to the other three leagues that are already set in stone, already tangible, and have already had seasons. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. So I finally reached him. Uh, he was very accommodating. Um, after I know he's a busy guy. And so he's going to be here uh, next week, and we're going to be talking WFLA, everything that's going to be up, you know, how it's working, what's going to work, anticipation, he obviously was disappointed that he couldn't get the exhibition season in uh, from, you know, my my uh, conversation with him on direct message. Um, so it's going to be interesting to kind of like poke his brain and see, like to your point, Mac, uh, you know, what's it make, how does it make it more different? Because that's obviously a reverse model than what we tried in women's football. So maybe they have a better formula. And the ultimate, the ultimate goal obviously is, is for players to get paid. We all want that. Whatever model gets us their first, we still want players to get paid. That's really the ultimate goal. Absolutely. You know, it, just like you said, the, the ultimate goal for women's sports in general is to get the recognition that it deserves. Um, because, like I said, in my mind, sports has no gender. Sports has no political political being, party. Sports has no race or creed. Sports is athletic. It literally should be how well or how how well you play the game or how you don't play the game so well or sport or activity or whatever have you. So that, I mean, that's, that's really it. You know, what is, what is the WSLA commissioner doing differently? That's going to, you know, push women and the push the sport of women's football into something that we've been working on for up to amount of years now. So um, Mackenzie, I will tell you right now, we've been talking about it for a long time, right? 2009, Mitchell Mortaza could have done it already. We talked about that a long time. The seven-on-seven arena style, you know, you know, whether you agree with it or not, 
obviously because of the outfits and uniforms. But at one point he did pay the players, and he could have been the front runner or the person to model that going forward, and, and we would have had women's football players paid, obviously not in, on a traditional American football um, you know, style. But he missed the boat. So, you know, we're crossing our fingers that uh, Commissioner Shelby and uh, CEO Lupe Rose and, and everybody involved in the WFLA will, you know, get to that stage where players get paid to play. And then that's going to be such a great thing for 2021. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's going to be <laughs> this. I, like I said, this, this, entire, this entire season coming up is going to be wild for every sport. I mean, and starting with WNBA, NBA, you know, and then it just goes, it goes down, that goes down the line from there. So it's just, it's, it's really at this point a waiting game. All right, guys. Uh, if you guys missed the podcast, any of the podcasts, go back to 303 all the way down to 321 here. You can check it out. We got a lot of great interviews, a lot of great content. Uh, and uh, you can check us out on iHeart, on Spotify, and on um, Apple Podcast. So Mackenzie and the crowd, Nate Ward, uh, Luis Bean prior to that, uh, the Hall of Famer Holly Custis, uh, and then even Troy Wilson prior to that as well. So a lot of content over 300 episodes now for the Blitz, which is a really great thing. And every week we talk about NFL Weekly, NFL Notes. We talk about what's going on in women's sports in general. And then also we dive in exclusively into women's American football globally as well as domestically. So the best podcast on the planet, bar none, is us. And uh, shout out to our Aussie fans, uh, Mackenzie our Mexico fans, our Canadian fans, and our U.K. fans um, on top of yes. the U.S. fans. Global shout-out. Global shout-out. Global shout-out. Aussies, Aussies yes. Canadians, Mexicans, and uh, Britons, the British. So shout-out to all you guys that listen on our uh, internationally to us. Really, really appreciate it. Share our podcast. Get the voices out. And uh, thank you, everybody, for doing an amazing job at the Hub. We have reached uh, 8,200 followers at the Hub. Our goal is 10K. We're going to get there. We're going to get there probably in about their, what, 15 days maybe before the end of the month. We should get there. 10K on Facebook, the best source and the best network on the planet at the Hub, bar none, because we have so many passionate people. Uh, they just love women's American football, and they like to share stories, videos, and you name it. So if you want the best resource and the best network, you go to the hub, right, Mac? Fact, go to the hub or else you're a square, period. Like, what else do I got to tell you? We go through this all week, people. Let's keep the love coming, all right? Let's do it. So it should hit 10, 10K, Mac. What do you think? 10K? Probably by June we should hit 10K. We're at 82. Shouldn't easily. be no. Easily. Easy. Easily. Should be easy. All right, uh, so 22,000 strong, and we want to thank Zazzle for supporting our podcast for eight years. And without them, we would not be on the air. So check out Zazzle.com for Escort and Beauties. If you missed out on the 40% sale on tanks, tees, and hoodies, shame on you, right? Shame on you if you missed out on that. Look, I got my comment uh-huh. in the mail. Y'all better step up your yeah. game. Like, let's do it. You got to like, support missed the out sponsor. On That's pretty sad. But anyways – uh, be on the lookout uh, on at the hub. You'll get the specials there, or you can always go to the No Joke Football brand page. 
as well on IG and on Facebook. All right, Max. So you know what? We talked X League with uh, Nate Ward, Omaha and LA. We talked NFL in terms of trade uh, factors. Uh, and unfortunately, we had some sad news at the beginning of the hour and before you came on. Uh, the unfortunate uh, death of Bethany Lartigue of the uh, Arlington Impact, which uh, we want to send our condolences to the WFA family and, of course, to the Arlington Impact family. Absolutely. Prayers and positive vibes being sent your way from the football fam, guys. We're here for you. Don't be afraid to reach out if you need somebody to talk to. And you know how great the family is at football? Uh, the GoFundMe was $5,000 goal, and I believe as we stand right now, it's almost 5500 So shout out to everybody for chipping in, making this happen, and helping out the uh, Bethany Lartig family and the Arlington Impact family. Absolutely. Keep, you know, keep the love coming, guys. Like I said, you know, we, we run off of each other in this world. You know, kind hearts, kind souls are what keep this, you know, keep this planet moving around. So, you know, anything helps. All right. So if you guys are missing out on football, uh, your Netflix binge is over, you're frustrated, you go to YouTube, Gridiron Beauties on YouTube, and you will be enlightened and amazed of talented American football women's athletes playing ball globally from X-League style to national, to traditional American football style. You go to YouTube, subscribe there on YouTube at Great Iron Beauties and uh, get it down, get down to it. And uh, if you, you know, if you've exhausted your other stuff, which, uh, you know, if you want to watch football, you can watch it there. Um, if you haven't picked up coach Gabby's and coach snubs um, ebook, it's free. So you can go pick it up now, go to the hub, Check out the link there at the ebook link, or you can go directly to the IG page at Women's Workout Football. Women's Workout Football on IG. Check it out. Otherwise, you can go to our page on IG under the bubbles for uh, training tools, and you can go get the link there as well on IG. So, really cool uh, training video, uh, Mac. Uh, she's done a really good job of it. Everybody's over 100 downloads. So, you know, shout out to Coach Gabby. Coach Gabby and Coach Snubs are just they're on G status. Those two women are just whoo, love them. And I definitely was able to download the book early. <laughs> and I will tell you, you need if if you're lacking motivation, if you're lacking just overall positivity, download that book. Download the training video. Get yourself into a Zoom session with them. You will not be disappointed, period. Awesome. All right, Mac, I don't have anything else uh, except for, you know, had a great time here this week, and we're looking forward to uh, the commissioner next week and kind of diving in to see, you know, what the WFLA will be about and what he's going to tell us. But uh, thanks to everybody for coming in today, uh, the salty one, and then um, Nate Ward. And I apologize for my uh, my rant, you know, rant. Uh, but unfortunately, I'm a very passionate fan, so you messed up my logo, you messed up my stuff, <laughs> not a cool thing. Um, so, you know what, it's butterscotch, them off. So there you go. Um, so, we're, you know what, we're good. I think we're good. We're missing Holly, but uh, Holly's probably just chilling at home and probably laughing at my rant, too. So we'll, we'll catch you here next week. Oh, I'll you can put a bank on it. No, I'm pretty sure she's <laughs> having a great time. Uh, all right, Mackenzie, thanks again for coming in. Uh, thanks to Nate Ward. 
And for the absent Holly Custis, we'll see you guys here, here as we have WFLA Commissioner Brandon Shelby in the house, so don't miss 322. Have a great night, everybody.